Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon. But hang on, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by HPE Tech Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, a senior video producer at Polygon, am joined today by Brianna Wu, executive Angry director. Brianna Wu. Angry what was that? Brianna Wu. Angry. Angry Brianna Wu, Angry Executive Director at Angry (laughs) Rebellion Pack. (laughs) Um, Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. Who boy, we have a pretty huge show for you tonight uh, because, of course, not only will we be talking about those good old MacBook Pro reviews, (laughs) but also the perhaps... There's certainly bigger story in the world right now is uh, journalists being able to dig into the Facebook files uh, that were uh, released to the SEC by the whistleblower Francis Hogan. Um, so that is what we are going to start with tonight uh, because it is because everyone's mad and everyone's <laughs> got a lot to say. Uh, but first, the context that you expect from me Um As you have probably heard by now, thousands of internal Facebook documents were disclosed to the SEC uh, when Francis Hogan testified, and they are now getting thorough review uh, by journalists at various outlets. All the Facebook employee names are redacted, but there is a lot of information there essentially revealing what we somewhat knew, but really putting it in a just stark, very harsh light, which is that employees at Facebook are extremely aware of the problems that the platform has with inciting violence um, and have repeatedly warned leadership about harmful moves the company is making and have repeatedly offered alternatives to moves the company was making and were repeatedly ignored. And I think one of the most damning lines that I read about it was in Adrian LaFrench's piece uh, in The Atlantic Uh, which is that ultimately what these documents show is that Facebook carefully researches everything that it does and is extremely aware of the ways in which the platform can be harmful and then elects always whatever option will serve the company's bottom line and serve engagement and serve profit. Um, And in doing so, has elected over and over again not to implement changes that its own researchers have shown will make the platform less toxic. Um, it shows a company, the documents show a company culture uh, driven by growth metrics, one where employees have to demonstrate how their new products and features will drive engagement above all, uh, putting developers at odds with other Facebook employees on teams like the Integrity Team, who are researching ways to improve the quality of the platform's discourse. Um A lot of the writing about this is focused on the January 6th insurrection and how it was very openly planned on Facebook and then live streamed on Facebook. And now Facebook is being used to gather evidence to hold people responsible for uh, for the violence that was instigated at the Capitol on January 6th, 2021. Um, But a more uh, infuriating uh, piece also in The Atlantic by Ellen Cushing talks about the other 90% of Facebook users who don't live in the United States uh, and writes about how the documents show essentially that only 13% of Facebook's moderating team is focused on non-U.S. problems. Um, And as we saw in the reporting uh, last year, 
uh, by on on the verge and on platformer, the moderators in the United States are extremely overworked and extreme just being driven down by the work that they do and the horrible things that they have to see. I can't imagine how it would feel to be focused on, you know, the other 90 percent of the world and to have even less infrastructure and less support. Uh, The documents also show that Facebook's own AI detection tools simply don't focus on non-European and non-English language. So there are, say, posts in in Arabic that where hashtags about uh, human trafficking are simply just not being picked up because the tools are not being developed or focused on to to detect harm in uh, in those languages, um, which sucks a lot. Um, And uh, I'll read actually a line from this uh, piece in The Atlantic by Ellen Cushing, just to get the whole point across. According to the documents, Facebook is aware that its products are being used to facilitate hate speech in the Middle East, violent cartels in Mexico, ethnic cleansing in Ethiopia, extremist anti-Muslim rhetoric in India, and sex sex trafficking in Dubai. It is also aware that its efforts to combat these things are insufficient. Uh, which again, I think just to go back to the root of this, it's all information that maybe is not new. I think we always knew that Facebook knows it's a problem, but doesn't want to do anything about it. But it just adds more humanizing detail to what exactly the harm is that is being done by this platform and just confirms over and over again that leadership is aware and people within the company are aware, and some are trying and being ignored when they attempt to do anything about it. That is my summation of what is going on. Very good job for lots of terrible things. Um, Bree, do you want to go ahead? (sighs) I very deliberately didn't read this story all week. I mean, I couldn't avoid it to a certain extent, but I I have not gone down this rabbit hole because I knew what it was going to do. I knew it was going to reconfirm everything we've been talking about on Rocket for years. Y'all, how many times does Facebook come up in our pre-show planning? And I'm just like, like all of us are just like, all we can't the time. Do, at least can't once all the time. Facebook. Once a week, at least. Because this company is 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 it's just rotten to the core it is cancer and as you pointed out simone we have the good american version of it with some actual rules and i mean you just want to go through some of the the stories that came out this week i mean it's it's mind-boggling once you actually start going through them okay here i'm just gonna go uh internal chat board show that politics are a reason that they make decisions, one after the other. Uh, they make their decisions based on the fear the conservatives are going to criticize them uh, about censoring them. Uh, Newsfeed, which we all said when it came out was a bad idea, turns out to be a bad idea. <laughs> uh, Facebook attributes five points for angry uh, emotions when you click that anger button and one point for a like turning angry content. 
Uh, let's see again and again, Zuckerberg picks growth over what's good for the world. He cites a place in uh, Vietnam where they actually gave state control to seeing what people can say and making like overwhelmingly positive, uh, basically state friendly propaganda for people. Uh, you know, they knew about January 6th. They didn't do anything in the aftermath. They dismantled their, uh, their election integrity service. Uh, let's see. Oh, they're, they're conducting, uh, antitrust, uh, war. They're very deliberately, uh, engineering that, uh, Facebook employees are trying to get anyone to do anything inside the company. Mm -hmm. They're being ignored. Uh, Zuckerberg flat out lied. We went before Congress and said that 94% of things, uh, that, uh, hate speech on Facebook is, uh, caught before even someone reports it. That's not true. They catch less than 5% of it. I, I could sit here for the whole show doing this. And the bottom line is the company is just cancer and they're never going to do the right thing. And Christina, I know you and I have a difference of perspective on this. I'm done with like trying to like pussyfoot around this, break them up, like send people to jail when they're breaking the law here, aggressively get the justice department to go after them, do antitrust. I, I love the Facebook whistleblowers idea of when they are actually facilitating domestic terrorism, let's look and see if there are ways to implicate them in that because what we're doing is not working. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's the the reporting is incredibly troubling. Um, there are thousands of documents that there have been, uh, you know, it's a consortium of media outlets who've worked on this story. Uh, they're kind of calling the Facebook papers. It started as the Facebook files at the Wall Street Journal. And then, you know, a dozen or so outlets and some independent journalists have been pouring over this. And, and actually, I, I really hope this comes to fruition. Some of the people who have been part of this consortium um, have called for you know them to release the documents and once they yeah. have been properly redacted and and cleared of maybe any national security things and I really hope that happens because I think that this is the sort of thing where we need more eyes on this not just from reporters but just to to let people do their own research um I'm a little bit conflicted I think on on um Francis uh, uh, Haugen's like recommendation for some of the holding them responsible for some of the domestic terrorism stuff only because I think that that would mean inherently getting rid of any of the two factor, not two factor, any of the, um, I guess, encryption that would take place mm. on their messaging services. Uh, that's that's that bothers me significantly. And and I'm not sure that how I feel about that, uh, to, to, to be completely honest, because I feel like that could be abused so easily. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that I, I'm not, I'm personally not comfortable saying you think you can stop some terrorist attacks so we can have access to everyone's communications. Just, just to be clear, my position is when we have evidence that implicates them, that they're doing things that are clearly against the law, like that's, I'm not talking about breaking encryption. I'm saying well, no, like, but, well, right, right. but, but, it, but it, my point is that would be, I mean, there's no such thing as a backdoor that only works some of the time. They either have the keys or they don't. No, and I don't, so yeah, right. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I, I happen to disagree with that, but, but I, I respect your, your perspective. Um, but I do strongly feel that if they have, if there is actual evidence um, where they have broken the law and it appears that there is, 
I think that they should be held responsible. Um, obviously, uh, I think that most of these would be civil penalties and not criminal. But but I think that um, they should be held responsible. I think that this is a, a case where, although I am reluctant to support antitrust actions, just because I think that it is genuine, genu- uh, generally uh, for naught and, and doesn't end up um, doing anything. Um, we, they might, you know, the the uh, the AGs and other things might not have a choice, and um, the Department of Justice might not have a choice. And in that case, I mean, I feel like Facebook has brought this on themselves. This is a company who I think, from the very top, you know, it comes from Mark down, and it comes from his, you know, executive team. They have, as Simone said, they have prioritized engagement over everything else. They have prioritized growth over everything else. They prioritize greed over everything else, to the detriment of society, and it's. It's horrifying to see this. It's horrifying to see, um, you know, the role that even when I think about my own small role and and the fact that, you know, I I was part of, you know, large part of social media and kind of writing about how to use these tools and whatnot for years, you know, it's horrifying to to reflect on that and to just to see what this has become. And um, I, I, like you, I'm angry. This is... Um, there's a really good book written by um, uh, Cher Frankel and Cecilia Kang uh, from the New York Times um, called An Ugly Truth uh, Inside Facebook's Battle for Domination. That came out this summer. And and that was based on different reporting, although some of the things that I think have been in this do- in in these document uh, troves have proven out what their what their reporting said. And I read that book, and it was a fascinating and kind of scary thing to kind of get a sense of the culture. And what we're seeing now just in the stories that have come out. And and to be clear, like the embargo broke on Monday. Some outlets came out a little bit earlier because all of the different competitors who were working together on this treasure trove of documents, which mm. it wound up breaking up, you know, some of them started to go earlier and whatnot, and, and they had their own little tit for tats. But, you know, I think Casey Newton said, you know, he has six weeks worth of, of stories out of this. I think that's probably a, a small, you know, sampling. Mm-hmm. Um this is something we're going to have to be hearing about and thinking about. My only fear, to be honest, is, you know, we're outraged now and we're hearing all this stuff. I I don't know, like, how many news cycles can this sustain before people just start to, you know, like, uh, drift off into space and not want to pay attention and not want to either, A, think about it, or B, they become desensitized to everything. And and that's my only fear, to be honest, is that as as – terrible as all these things are with all the information that's out there, um, I don't know how long the outrage can be sustained or if it will even matter because their stock price is still doing real well. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. doing great. I keep thinking about the quote that as all hell was breaking loose last year, uh, this was released from the documents that they're laughing about saying, you know what, let them do whatever. We're printing money in our basement in the meantime. And that's why I'm very, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very hesitant that even civil action could do anything here. I like the idea of embedding regulators at Facebook. I really like that a lot. But I mean, obviously, we can't uh, compromise our position of like allowing the government backdoor to spy in on what you're saying on Facebook or breaking encryption or anything like that. I want to be very clear. That's that's not going to make this situation better. But I do think we can embed regulators in in Facebook. I do think that when whistleblowers in within the company uh, alert the public and leak documents that make it clear as day 
that very serious things are going wrong there and that their CEO is lying before Congress. I, I feel very strongly that's the, this is why we have a Justice Department, right? And, you know, they keep passing the buck. Facebook keeps coming forward and they're like, uh, you know what? Uh, we need more clarity from Congress. Why doesn't <laughs> Congress uh, just move do something? You know what? Congress isn't going to do jack about this. Our government is barely working right now. We're trying to hold off Armageddon. We can't even stop a pandemic to which we have a cure. We're so broken right now. So we need Facebook to step up. Oh, just, just, just writing down timestamps. No, no, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> I, I was engaging a little thought exercise as I was reading about this story today, just trying to imagine a scenario which will not happen, but uh, which was interesting to me, which is what would happen if Facebook were just turned off tomorrow or today and would would there be a platform that steps up to fill that void and what would the world look like and i i honestly i struggle to think of something that would be able to have the muscle to fill the exact spot that Facebook sits in just because of the the legacy inertia that it has and the demographics uh, that it serves. Like TikTok is huge. Instagram is huge. And they each have their own problems, but they don't have the exact same problems that Facebook itself, the, the mother platform has. Um, is it as hard for you guys to imagine as it was for me to just imagine what would happen if it ceased to exist? Oh, God. No, I mean, it would be it'd be kind of chaotic, right? I mean, you think about not just the fact that, as you said, there would be kind of this this hole of, of where to fill in. But I, I think about small businesses who do the majority of their advertising and um, the majority even like some in some cases of, you know, running some of their businesses and, and getting customers um, uh on their platform, using their even their messaging tools. You know, I think about how would they operate. Mm. I think about how would people who have taken this, especially in parts of the world where they don't have the infrastructure that we do, which is one of the parts I think of, of the Atlantic story that you mentioned, which was very good. You know, kind of pointing out the fact that like we have the good version. What what would that mean for those places that are less connected and have less infrastructure? What would their uh, what would their means of, of communication be? You know, um, one of the things that this was a number of years ago now, but Facebook had trialed this program in India where they were giving kind of free internet and and doing um, uh, like these these plans where they were basically like oh we're going to be giving you know uh, people in India free free internet free cell phone connectivity uh, you know by Facebook and and the government wound up shutting it down uh, I think Facebook actually this year came up with kind of a similar attempt of doing something. But the idea, you know, when, when the government shut it down, a lot of people were critical. They're like, well, what do you mean? You're, you're taking, you know, infrastructure and connectivity away from a, a whole group of people who wouldn't have access to it before. And the mm-hmm. argument against it was, right, but but now it is being controlled and owned and, and ultimately you are becoming beholden to this service, right? And I mm-hmm. think that there are, that that was an extreme and that didn't happen, but in many places, uh, and it depends on what you mean by Facebook. Do you mean Instagram? Do you mean WhatsApp? Do you just mean Facebook proper? Because if you got rid of the whole company, God, I mean, we, knows what, we know what happened when it went down for a day, right? It went down for mm-hmm. seven hours. And 
people were talking about how many billions of dollars had been lost and people couldn't communicate and it was chaotic. And so I think, you know, if that were to extend, uh, even if we were to say, okay, we keep WhatsApp and we keep Instagram, like you, like it's really hard to imagine what would happen. Obviously, I think that another tool would would spin in. I don't think you would have one centralized place like Facebook has kind of become, at least not immediately. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like we've become sensitized to this. You know, in the 17 years that this company has been around, like we've become used to it. We've become used yeah. to what this represents. And so there, there are there's a whole generation of users who they are very actively, and this is clear in those documents, you know, they are worried about the age the average age of their users and, and the fact that it's becoming boomer book and <laughs> and they're actively going after these young users. And many of these users, you know, if you talk about like the 16-year-olds who are on right now, they've never been alive when Facebook wasn't a thing. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, I I, I I I don't even know how I would fathom if it didn't exist. <sighs> Any final thoughts on Facebook before we move on? I, I want someone to go to jail. That's what burn I want. Burn, burn it all to the ground. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, we obviously can't, but I, I think that this is an ugly company. I, I yeah. uh, Briefly, before we move on, I'll just stress, like, we've barely scratched the surface of of the things that are coming out in these articles. Like, to your point, Brianna or, or Christina, I can't remember which of you said this about people getting burnt out and tired by it, but, like, we haven't even touched on the study that showed teen girls uh, – mental health problems being exacerbated just by the fact of being on Instagram. Um, And there's just so much. There's so much. And it's all pretty dire. Well, maybe what, you know, what the one of the things I saw that I thought was very good is this is not going to change until the people that advertise on Facebook Mm -hmm. demand more from the company. And look, flat out. I am part of the problem. I write huge checks to Facebook consistently because they have so much information and uh, it's so it's a very effective way to reach voters. Like it's tied directly to the the central voter file. Um, you know, we've started experimenting with ways of uh, other outside the like Google Facebook duopoly, other ways of getting our message to people. And like we've got data that shows it's it's good and it's bad, but Facebook is still a massive game in town for political advertising. And maybe the the real problem is there need to be, even just on the Democratic side, like if there was a leadership effort to cause us to come together and be like, you know, we don't feel comfortable funding this because we are the problem. I am the one writing like funding the things that make it possible for them to go pay a central lobbyist $2.5 million to go bribe Congress. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's maybe the answer is to go after the money. I don't know. Well, we will no doubt be talking about this one again. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Tech Talk, a podcast from the folks at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Uh, I am constantly now that well, (laughs) listen, I briefly had a dog and it was wonderful. And I got so many podcasts listened to while I was walking that dog. Um, And listening to a lot of podcasts makes you have a a hole in your heart where you now need new podcasts. If you (laughs) 
are in that scenario, I have a show for you. It's called Tech Talk. It's it's sh- it's a show that talks through HPE news, tech insights, and world class innovations. Uh, one of the ones that I listen to uh, is this one with a scientist who's up on the ISS, and he's talking about all of basically the research that they are able to do in space that they can't do on the Earth. And I hadn't even considered the fact that 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 specific environment lends itself to experiments that we can't even do on our freaking planet. Um, So it was cool to listen to like the technology that he uses uh, and how it's relevant in his life in ways that it simply would not be in mine. It's a different world. If you also want to listen, you can expect episodes uh, like that one, Supercomputing Aboard the International Space Station. Give that a try. Uh, or applying tech for the good of people, the planet, and communities, or even how to harness the power of 5G to offer the ultimate experience. I love ultimate experiences. The show takes you straight to the source, interviewing some seriously impressive tech leaders, hosts, or guests like uh, Dr. Michael Roberts from the ISS U.S. National Lab. Sorry, I keep talking about it. Space is really cool. Matt McCo, Global Field CTO at Esmeral- Esmeral Software. HPE, and Sanjeev Katwa, CTO of Tottenham Hotspur FC. Yo, that rules. Listen to brand new episodes of HPE's Tech Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Tech Talk now or click the link in our show notes. Our thanks to HPE Tech Talk for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let us decompress (laughs) now much like a, a foster dog in its crate, by talking about <laughs> MacBook Pro reviews. Oh, Christina, you have to be so psyched. I mean, this is, it, it is everything we hoped it would be and more. Yeah, no, I'm very, very excited. Uh, mine will not arrive until, well, it depends on, okay, the, earlier today, it was saying November 1st. Ugh. Now I'm seeing some things that will say potentially November 3rd third, maybe the fifth. I don't know. Next week, I'm supposed to get it. So I, I can wait a week. I'm okay with that. But yes, I, uh, I've been I've been looking over the, um, you know, kind of early. No one has done like other than Anantech who did a really in-depth review of the the CPUs as as they are want to do. Um, I think, you know, most of these, they didn't have very long to kind of spend with the devices. So we, we've seen some reviews from other places and, and um, we've seen you know, some benchmarks, but I expect we'll see even more stuff in uh, in the coming days. But yeah, this looks fantastic. This is like, this is the upgrade. This is the M1 that like the power users have been it wanting. like juicy. So my, my colleague Clayton uh, ordered a 14 inch just for his personal computer. And if I, if I may read, he said he's only been doing file transfers and downloads so far, but this MacBook Pro's design is really what we've been waiting for, he says. Um, and from what I have seen, uh, the reviews that I've read are just consistently making me excited. Like we were pretty excited and positive last week after after the conference and the previews. But yes, uh, Jason Snell over at Six Colors liked it. Uh, the Verge liked it. In particular, they called out it. They did a, a 4K video export and uh, it beat a competitor machine by over a minute, which is nuts to me. Now, I will note 
if we can get into some chip talk here. Uh, as Jason notes in his piece, there the chips are designed basically to uh, make a ProRes workflow feel real good for you. <laughs> like if you're using Final Cut uh, and exporting in ProRes, you're just going to have a better time um, with, with these because the processors, there's just parts of the processors that are designed just for that great for everyone else but even so like we use or at least on my team we use adobe products uh it seems to even if it's not as fast to work fine with that which i can freaking deal with i mean obviously i'm coming from a, a less than ideal situation but i can deal with it um but Jason was saying you can play simultaneous 8k video streams on the laptop if you're working in oh prores which is nuts. Um, so that's a little bit on the, the video process. Uh, as far as the notch goes, I think that was the other topic we, we touched on a lot last week. Uh, we were all pro or at least notch ambivalent. Um, now seeing reviews and footage of the laptop in action, I'm realizing something incredibly obvious, which is, of course, the notch just sits in the middle of the menu bar. So there's nothing it's obscuring anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever the whatever your feelings on the notch are, um, I hope they're at least mild because I feel strongly that it doesn't matter. Um, and then to touch on... MagSafe and and charging stuff, Bree. I know that you had had a concern about MagSafe versus USB C and just like the speed of it and the the idea of having another like Apple proprietary cable. And as I think we discussed uh, last week, the, it can be charged via USB C as well as MagSafe, depending on what you want to do. And you know you have that USB power supply for external monitors and stuff. But also, uh, Jason points out in the Six Colors review. The way that the cables um, attach to the power brick now, you can actually keep the brick, but then replace the cable that attaches to the whole to the computer instead of having to replace the whole brick, which is oh, what a lovely change. What a right? Lo- it's so great. I'm just for everything I've read about this. Like th- those are some of the little details that are outside of the the, the bigger details of just like screen look good, processor fast. <laughs> but there are these little things that make me go, oh hey, this actually. I'm just super excited to get to like put my hands on all the little thoughtful details of this. How are y'all feeling? I got to admit, like reading these reviews, I am wavering on my commitment to keeping my 13 inch MacBook for another year. I mean, uh, uh, it just, it, it really looks good. And yeah, let's be honest, a 13 inch screen is, it's a little small for a primary device that you use. Um, I mean, this, it really looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm so excited. Um, so now, uh, earlier today, it was saying that it would arrive November first. Now it is saying November third. Regardless, I'm going to get it next week. But I'm very, very excited uh, about this machine. I mean, uh, even though some of the you know performance is theoretical, uh, it just seems like it's going to be fantastic. The battery tests have been good, right? I mean, I, th- mm-hmm. I think that 21 hours is probably not realistic on the 16 inch unless you literally are only watching video at a, a certain you know screen brightness 
in Safari, but getting 10, 11 hours on the 14-inch, which is what they were saying they were getting, I mean (sighs) – Look, look, I would be I would be happy with eight hours, right? Like that yeah. to me, like if, if I had a solid, like I'm actually using it, I'm not like it's not just, you know, on and, and I'm, I'm browsing the web like eight hours would be killer. Yeah, but that's most the fact of that, a, a standard flight. <laughs> uh, completely right. And, and especially since, you know, I can actually use, you know, a, a smaller power brick with this to charge it. Um, if I didn't want to use the one that comes, you know, in the box, you know, like, uh, like smaller in size, not, not in, uh, power capacity. Like, yeah, this, this seems like this could be killer. I mean, this is one of those things that I think the, the, the performance just really does seem incredible. And, and what Apple's managed to achieve, you know, just based on what these early reviews say with this second generation of this chip process, I mean, it's, it's truly remarkable. It is truly fantastic. I think that, um, I, I'm excited about the keyboard. The keyboard was getting good reviews. I'm excited about the fact that, like, it's going to be a really good keyboard, it, it, it seems like. The keyboard, one another thing that I, I I was not, like, fully conscious of until reading reviews, uh, the function row keys are full height and width instead of being, like, yeah. the half width mm-hmm. that are on mm-hmm. this uh, the 2015 model that's sitting on my lap right now. And every other laptop, I think every other Apple laptop, I think has had half key um, uh, function keys. I think this is the first time in an Apple laptop that they've had full size function keys. So that's actually really ha- that's awesome, right? Um, and they seem like they have more travel. Uh, Nile did say that uh, Apple trying to claim that it felt like a mechanical keyboard was lies, insane. <laughs> which obviously it is, clearly it is. But it feels like a really good laptop keyboard, which I think is all we want. Like especially yeah. those of us who have still been having to deal with the terribleness from the 2016 uh, model, you know. Um, and and I've, would, I like, wouldn't know, right, right, because you have a good keyboard. But I think even in comparison to that, I think it's an improvement. I also I didn't I hadn't picked up on this until I was reading the reviews. I guess I hadn't consciously noticed it. But I do love the fact that the keyboard is completely black. It's black on black. Yes. And I don't think it's going to get dirty. So that's a criticism I've seen of the black on black keyboard is people no, saying I don't think it's so. going to get dirty. Have you seen any any keyboard? <laughs> they all have dirt on them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, dude, like my keyboards get so gross. I will get some compressed air. And instead of having to use it to make sure that my keys actually press down, you know, and, and, hmm. and whatnot, I can actually just use it to, to, you know, clean the gunk out of it. That's fine. I'm completely fine with, with that. I, I just, but I love the look. You know what else I really love about this is, you know, it's about, what is it, half a pound heavier yeah. than the model it's replacing. And, you know, it's a little thicker. And like even the uh, the legs on the bottom, this is a, it's a laptop that sits up higher uh, than the one it's replacing. And I, I love that this is, look, it's a pro laptop. If you want the smallest, sexiest, most portable thing that they make, that's what the Air is for, which is a great machine. It's also only $1,000. This has HDMI built into it. You don't get a USB-A uh, port, but you know all your ports are back. And I, I love that they're not trying to squeeze and make it the thinnest, sexiest thing that they can. We've seen where that design uh, goes. It goes to scissor keyboards and failure and getting rid of the ports. This is a, it's a pro machine. 
the form factor that we expect from these, this class of laptops, it's okay. Make it as big as they were in 2013. That's not huge. And I, I just, I love that they're, they're going back on that because it, it had been taken too far. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the, the comparisons to the PowerBook, the titanium PowerBook G4 appearance? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you know what? They're, they're they're dead on, and and I I, I mean it's interesting that that those comparisons have come up, and I kind of agree with it. And I'm like, you know what? This is taking that beloved design that people loved so much that did eventually kind of become the prototype for what became the uh, aluminum MacBook Pro, and then you know obviously that begat or uh, the aluminum PowerBook, sorry, and then that begat the the aluminum MacBook Pro. Uh, which, you know, has kind of continued on to this day. But yeah, I, I always wanted a tie book. I never had one, but I always wanted one. And uh, I don't know if it was an intentional throwback or if it was just kind of like, okay, if we're going to, we're going to do this thing, if we're going to get rid of the Johnny Iveness of this all, we're going to go back to <laughs> Sorry, like the Johnny, Johnny. Ive. <laughs> we're going to go back to the Johnny Ive design. This is the irony. It's like, okay, they're, they're getting rid of new Johnny by going back to like, you know, 2001 Johnny. And it's like, yeah, you know what? fair, right? Like, uh, that was a great design. And if that's, if they were even subconsciously taking inspiration from that, I love it. I I'm also very excited that apparently this, uh, will come with black stickers, which in the past I've always had to steal from like the trash can Mac pros that people would get at the office because I, I like to collect the different colored Apple stickers. Like I have the rose gold ones and I have obviously a million of the white ones and, and I have some of the black ones, but I'm very excited to finally own my own product that will give me the black stickers. <laughs> I'm so happy for your, your hoarding tendencies. Thank you. Yeah. Like I, overall it, it really does seem like it is, a while admittedly still being an aesthetic laptop, a turn away from pure aesthetics for aesthetics and lightness's sake to something that is just hearty, which is what I want a laptop to be. Um, I think especially if you're existing in the Apple ecosystem, and obviously this is a super privileged thing to say, but like I, I have an iPhone, I have an iPad, what I need for my laptop isn't to be light and dainty and I need it to be portable, but I don't need it to be like a purse machine necessarily, even though it seems like this will be able to be for me. Ha 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 ha. But I, if I want to carry a small, powerful machine around for email or for watching like YouTube videos and stuff, I have an iPad for that. Um, and what I want from a laptop is to just be substantial and, and have power Um, so it, it seems like this is really hitting all of those, uh, hitting the, the bells and whistles. Well, how do you say, which (laughs) means that within a, you know, in a year when some of them are refurbished and for sale in the Apple store, it's going to be my time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can't wait. Any final thoughts on the MacBook pro reviews that have come out this week? Can we talk a little bit about the uh, the graphics uh, capabilities? It's sure. it's it's basically exactly what Christina and I like 
predicted it would be last week that, you know, look, if you're doing stuff with metal or you know, generally Apple technologies like Final Cut, it's going to be great. It's going to be blazing fast. It's going to be amazing. If you're working with stuff that that's not, uh, it's going to suck. Uh, Jason Snell put out uh, a ton of benchmarks about this, and I was I was impressed with how much uh, he has the eight core iMac Pro. I have the the really big beefy one, and not to say it's it's better than this because it's worse through most of the tests, but it holds its own with many of the the multi-core uh, tests that he ran. And it has the advantage of, you know, discrete GPU and working with a wider number of technologies. So um, uh, I, I think the the bottom line with this, if, if I'm reading all this, Christina, correctly, is uh, if you're working with Apple tech, you're good. Uh, if you're not, it's, it's kind of uh, not the best. Yeah, I mean, I think that even I I would say not the best is is probably I would say not fair. I think that mm-hmm. I would say that it's it's not going to be wiping the floor with everyone like if you're using Apple Tech. Right. That's so, fair. That, that's better. Yeah. I, I, so so I think it's still going to be incredibly impressive and this is still really good stuff, but people like obviously people have tried to game on it. The gaming performance is appalling because uh, you can't game on a Mac. Right. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's not, at least with AAA titles, it's just not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and so uh, that's not going to be, you know, and, and it does really well for being emulated. I want to make like that very clear, but uh, I also don't necessarily see these improvements and this price point convincing a ton of developers to say, oh yes, we are now going to compile these for metal mm-hmm. and native for ARM 64. Like I, I just don't see that happening. Um, especially for like older titles for, for next gen titles, eh, even then I doubt it. Right. Like, um, especially given the most people use unreal engine for their games. So, um, yeah, but I I still think it's incredibly impressive, but as you said, like, it's just the Delta between the two impressive things is different. So it's, it's basically what we said last week, which is those charts they put out were a little bit misleading. It's still super, super impressive, but you know, if, if you have a really high-end desktop GPU, that's not and, – and you're doing tasks that are not very specified to what this silicon can do and what these applications can do, you're not going to have, like, uh, a worse experience than, than you would if you had had a laptop. Yeah. It's, it's, it's time to let go of the fantasy of the Mac being able to run PC games well anyway. It's just not. And God knows I've tried. I bought the, the Razer box that lets you add an AMD Vega card to my MacBook, uh, my iMac Pro. I've done that. You know, I've, I've literally burnt up MacBooks trying to, mm. to run 3D software on it to the point the logic board set the whole machine uh, like up in smoke. We've we've tried to do this. Like, you know, we have different Apple tools for different jobs. Like, you know, Simone, you were talking about the purse scenario. I have an iPad Pro with a keyboard, and that's my hyper-portable thing, right? Mm -hmm. Just if you want a game on a – if you want to play PC games – Go get a PC or build a PC. It's it's Christine and I have both done it. It's rewarding. It opens up a lot of doors. You can run all kinds of uh, you know things that you just. It's helpful to have one around the house. So just make the plunge. All right. This episode of Rocket is also brought to you by Focused from Relay FM. If you like our show, there's a good chance you'll like Focused. 
Pure, undisturbed focus is something of a superpower these days, especially with so many distractions. It's hard to stay focused during work. Rings too true doing your hobbies. (gasps) They're right. Or even just watching TV. That's... (laughs) That's incredibly true. If you've been meaning to get focused, this is the show for you because hosts David Sparks and Mike Schmitz can show you how. Uh, Their topics include things like productivity and creativity, a closer look at the relationship between the two, uh, which is something that I've been struggling with so much over the last year, um, especially with, you know, with my professional projects too. With all of my projects, I've been struggling with how to feel both creative and productive uh, because I feel dead inside, uh, as well as ADHD and cognitive science with guest Brittany Smith. Get focused because life is more than just cranking widgets. Go to relay.fm slash focused or search for focused wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you around. Our dessert today is criminal. (laughs) (laughs) A Georgia man got $85,000 in economic injury disaster loans uh, from our very own government, small business owner. What to do? What to do with this money? Pay 10 employees wages during the (laughs) pandemic? Interesting suggestion. What if, what if fifty-seven thousand seven hundred eighty-nine dollar Pokemon card? Oh, now you're talking. This Georgia man is facing wire fraud charges after purchasing said fifty-seven thousand dollar seven hundred fifty-seven thousand seven hundred eighty-nine thousand dollar Pokemon card. Um, instead of you know using the money for the thing that he was supposed to use the money for now i will say we have a story about this on polygon.com we're not the only ones to have a story but i believe we're one of the only ones uh nicole carpenter went looking to see if she could (laughs) find what card it was because the card is not disclosed and obviously unfortunately that is the only information that anybody freaking cares about with this story what of card did this man spend that much money on It's not an abnormal amount for Pokemon cards in this day and age because we are, of course, seeing the event that my parents prophesied would never happen, which (laughs) is (laughs) a rush on Pokemon cards. Um, So we, again, do not have a, like, confirmed with documentation. Uh, It's not totally confirmed that this is the card. However, she found a card that sold for $57,789 on December 28th, 2020, which is in the window of around January 8th, 2021, when uh, this purchase was made on PWCC Marketplace. And it is a first edition shadowless holographic Charizard with a 9.5 gem mint rating. Just So just, it's not confirmed, but it's just an information piece for you that I thought I would provide. So this man is uh, did a crime. <laughs> <laughs> I I I admire the yeah, like we love scams on the show, right? And it's I not mean, a smart scam. No, and it's immoral. No. But uh, and I, I wouldn't even call. It, I mean, I guess it is in the barest sense of the word a scam. It's just this guy had ten people working for him. <laughs> well, he claimed. He claimed. Oh, we don't actually know. Oh, right. that's a good point. 
No, right, because, I mean, that was the thing, is that he claimed he had these people working for me. He claimed he had this stuff. This is how they found out, right? They started doing an audit because they were like, wait a minute, your payroll expenses, the stuff you're doing, none of this makes sense. What did you spend this money on? And they do the audits, and they're like, okay, you bought you you, you, you bought, bought some – uh, You you bought a Pokemon a card, right? Like, for his time. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, w- I would imagine um, – I wonder what the investigators, like the the financial, you know, uh, uh, police officers and, and investigators, are, were like uh, thinking of this because I'm sure that they look at like a lot of antiquities and and, and art and and other stuff that's hard to move but could be very valuable and is very good for money laundering and whatnot. Uh, similar to, I believe that's part of why the Pokemon craze has been as big as it has been. That's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm, I just speculating. I'm not saying that everyone who's spending $100,000 in Pokemon cards is, is money laundering. I'm just saying that that's, it, it looks like a duck, walks like a duck. But I do wonder, like, if that's, you know, they're doing their investigations. You're used to finding somebody with, like, really expensive pieces of art, Picassos, Van Goghs, whatever. And instead, in this case, you're like, it's a Pokemon card from 1999 mm. from a jungle pack or something, you know? Yeah. Like... I, I wonder. I, I wonder how they feel about that, and like if they question just what is wrong with humanity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I am just to spice up the show. I'm going to play devil's advocate okay. here and and say. So I think the investment term for this would be a physical good. Uh, oh. It's a physical good. So he 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 took that money and he spent it on a physical asset that actually may be appreciating in value. It could be. Right. So maybe, I don't know, like maybe he, he's trying to run a scam and flip the Pokemon card and uh, make, a, make enough money to be worth it. I, d- I don't know. I could, I could, you know, when you invest, it makes sense to have some of your money in stocks and then oh, totally. have some of your portfolio in, in <laughs> physical things like a house. So hmm. no, maybe I mean, you're interesting suggestion. Yes. Here's the thing. If he had gotten the loan in a method that was did, that didn't like require lying about why he was getting the loan, I, I personally would be like, you know what? If you want to if you convince the, the bank to give you one hundred thousand dollars and you want to buy a Pokemon card. Cool. Maybe you honestly, it might be a really good investment, right? Uh, you're ironically, at least like, he didn't it, put it, it in GameStop. Uh, this is true. This is true. Although if he put it in Bitcoin, that would have paid off because that's way up again. <sighs> but uh, in this case, you know, like they're bringing wire fraud charges against him um, and, and, and the feds are after him because he lied on like the PPP like application. So like it's like I mean that that that's where the flaw in this is, because you could say, yeah, OK, he bought this to flip and maybe to make more money and to make like a hardcore investment. But it's like, oh, no, you claim you have these employees. You claim you're using it for this purpose. And that's not the case at all. Yeah. You know, you're, he's, he's just like uh, I, I'm reading from The Washington Post. Um, uh, the Justice Department apparently like released a bunch of documents on, on people they found in scams. His is far and away the most interesting because it's a Pokemon card. But there's also like a guy who was charged with spending his loan money on uh, on strip clubs. Now that man is a hero. Yeah, that man's um, giving back to the economy. <laughs> he right. is giving back to the yeah. economy. I, I I support that man. I think that that man should be free. There's another guy who pleaded guilty to um, spending to using his funds for a three hundred eighteen thousand dollar Lamborghini. Now that's <laughs> dumb. 
because I can understand that's going to depreciate right I away. That. I well, was going to say the, the depreciation, but okay, uh, okay, but but even then, like like it, you know, in terms of like a, a get rich quick flip thing, like three hundred eighty. Like honestly, I have more respect for the guy who bought the Pokemon card. I feel like that's a, yeah. a more sure investment. Like you're going to get more like potential markup on that. Um, but uh, but yeah, but this guy uh, Vinath. Um, Udo Missing, I think is how you say it. He uh, he uses small business loan on one Pokemon card. <laughs> and, and he's from Georgia, I should add. This is the most Georgia thing I've ever heard. Uh, and I say this as someone who had to sell Pokemon cards when I was a teenager to the hordes of, of um, uh, adults who some of them were doing it to flip and they were trading it like beanie babies. But, but it was mostly small children who uh, would line up and there would be a line going out the door of the mall, the mall from Stranger Things uh, oh. that uh, has been abandoned and there was a dead body found in the oh. food court. Uh, but but back when it was a good mall, it was a very, uh, this is 20 years ago, it was a very hopping mall. Uh, the, the line of our little store, of, of our, our, our EB game store, would be out the door, around the corner, down the escalator sometimes into the food court. Wow. Of people wanting to get cards. And we would wow. literally just like, I I would just be sitting at the, I would just be sitting at the register and someone else would be there and we would just be ringing out cards. And we knew the exact tax amount and everything for however many packs. We had to put a limit on packs and so, and whatnot. And and then, you know, you'd once we'd sell out, I have to like go and like scream down the line all the way downstairs, be like, we don't have any more. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it, but it was, I mean, that that summer of the cards, uh, I still have nightmares about it sometimes, frankly, because, you know, we would. You have mall, small PTSD. <laughs> completely because I mean, and I'm not even joking, like there were, there'd be days that I would sell and, and keep in mind, these cards were like 325 a pack or something like that. So they, they weren't very expensive. And, but there'd be some days where we would do three or $4,000 in card sales wow. a day. Jeez. Yeah. That's nuts. So, did you ever think, my last question on this, did you ever think you would see that come back? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I would have bet money that it never would have. Like I would have lost money, but I would have bet like we know you would have money. lost money, Christina. Well, clear, we, we know this. No, but I'm saying, but I, I genuinely would have bet a lot of money. Like I would have bet fifty thousand dollars. I'm not yeah. even joking. I would have bet fifty thousand dollars that this would never happen. And when this started happening again, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad I never did that." But I was also then I was annoyed. I was like, "Why didn't you buy any of these things when they were <sighs> cheap?" You know? Yeah. Well, hindsight, etc. Here, here's my question: yeah. When you well, let's assume he's convicted. Let's assume he goes to jail. Do you tell people the truth about why you're in there? Or you gotta do you come up with a lie because you got a bond over laughter together, right? One hundred percent. Plus, Have a plus chuckle. you know he plus he plus he's he, this this is a federal offense, so he's going to club fed. This is white collar <laughs> crime. Like this is honestly this is better than going to like state prison. Yeah. If he got convicted and did jail time, which I doubt he will for this amount of money. Um, uh, assuming that they would be able to confiscate the card and do something else, he settled if, if he pleads down. Who knows? I'm not a lawyer. I just have watched a whole bunch of Law and Order. <laughs> but yeah, I but but yeah, I think I think that you tell people because honestly, I think that half the people because again, you're in like you're with a bunch of other people who rip people off. I think that half of them would be like, "This is hilarious," and maybe wouldn't take you seriously. And I think the other half would be like. This is the ballsiest guy I've ever met in my life. This is, because who who spends fifty seven thousand dollars on their their loan that they've scammed their scam loan and they're like yeah I'm gonna buy a Pokemon card like honestly that is somebody who's like 
got some crazy eyes and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to fight that guy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not putting the shank in him. All like I'm seeing, I'm seeing clear of him. <laughs> exactly. Because if any, because anybody who's willing to spend $57,000 on a Pokemon card, it, yeah, like you don't know what that guy is going to do. Do you think he knows the poker app? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had freaking better or else he's a fake nerd. <laughs> Right. Okay. God, uh, what if he's not a nerd about... at all? Sorry. So, sorry, but what if he's not a nerd at all? That's what I'm saying. He he'd better know it, or else what's the point of all this? This is true. Get rich quick schemes with my Pokemon cards. That's not in the spirit <laughs> of the game. All right, uh, Brianna, what are you up to this week? Uh, I'm working on my TV pilot. Uh, it's really coming along well. Creativity and productivity. You hate to see it. Uh, Christina, what about you? Well, I've been doing some um, video stuff at work, which has been great. I'm going home this weekend. I'm taking Friday off and I'm flying home on a red eye on Thursday. I will get in at like 6 a.m. so that I can um, uh, do Halloween with with my nephew. Yay. Who is almost six months old, which is crazy. He'll be six months old next week. As we discussed last week, he is actually a year old and your perception of time is deeply flawed. But- I'll let it go. Fine, fine, fine. Also, he looks adorable. Uh, I think I'm going to be Dorothy and he's going to be a a little dog. Um, It's going to be really cute. We'll have photos. Send pics. But I'm very excited. I can't wait to see him, see my family. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what I'm up to. Uh, I have a video coming out on Thursday, so I'll be working on uh, just publicizing that. Uh, And my foster dog. Edward, uh, now named Zeus, did get adopted on Sunday. So he is living in his new home now. Um, and it's very Aww. good. It's very sad, but it's very good because he's very gonna happy have an amazing for Zeus. Life. Yeah. He'll he'll always be Eddie to us, but but yes. but um congrats, congrats, uh, Zeus. He really is such an amazing dog. Like I knew as soon as he got that first adoption meeting. I was like, well, they're going to take him because you don't meet this dog and decide not to adopt him because he's literally the sweetest creature on God's green earth. And lo and behold, like they met and he went right up to his new, his new mom and like sat next to her and leaned his head on her. And she like the look on her face. I knew, I knew that, you know, she had fallen in love with him, which is what he deserves. So, there goes Zeus, and someday maybe I will foster another dog, which I have emotionally <laughs> recovered from this. Um, hey, Brianna, where can we find you online? I uh, find me online at Brianna Wu on Twitter. Christina, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And remember, I am still trying to uh, have look. I, I'll get more active on the Instagrams, but I, I am trying for followers. So follow me. Um, so that I can be forced to wear a clippy costume. I can't wait. And <gasps> oh, you gasped. Yeah, I want to see it. Okay. <laughs> I was like, is there new information I need to know? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Doom Quasar and YouTube.com slash Polygon is where my videos live. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rockets. If you liked it, I hope that you navigate right over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review because you are super cool. I can tell because I'm watching you through your Nest Cam. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That got weird. Wow. It's true. You just Uh, made it weird, I know. No, I didn't. It's fine. Um, Hey, this episode of Rocket is terminated. Uh, Terminated. Terminated. Terminated.